All right, what is up, guys? We're back at it with another podcast. This is going to be episode 10 of the weekly spin cycle. As usual, I'm your co host, Kosh Sarva, and joining me as always is the other co host, Prem Thirnuggery. So, this is some quick turnaround time. <laughs> Honestly, bro, I mean, we have nothing better to do. Yeah, we, we got to give the people what they want. So, at some point, the people will tell us they want us. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we hope. So, let us know. I mean,. <laughs> We're going to keep forcing podcasts down your throat until you tell us you want more. <laughs> the, and honestly, we have another podcast that we recorded right before we left on our trip, uh, on our spring break trip, that we have not uploaded because it's kind of out of date. But if you want more content, we'll pump it out. <laughs> yeah, so all five of you who still listen to us consistently, you know you know when you can reach us. <laughs> That's a, that's a slight underestimation. I think, I mean, you're estimating like 50,000 to five, so. Oh, dude, right. I mean, we, we were talking about how we make racks in this podcast, right? <laughs> a little under 35 mil, let's just say that. Yeah, it's a little under 35 mil. Okay. Um, so how you been, dude? It's been a day. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I've been good, bro. Just hanging in there. Um, semester's coming to a close, so. Honestly, I'm kind of checked out already. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's honestly, I'm just kind of going through the motions at this point. But I see you're. So enjoying, be it. I see you're. You're enjoying your time. I see you're doing background Grand Canyon. Oh, dude. See, my my goal is to like put up all of my photography and Zoom backgrounds, and at some point, someone will be like, "Wow, dude, you, did you take that?" <laughs> and I'll be like, "Yeah, dude, I'm dude, a freaking photographer." <laughs> that's where we went this summer to all the Zoom backgrounds that we have available. <laughs> But, okay. Yeah, so maybe we'll have to turn these into videos instead of just podcasts at some point. Maybe, bro. But I, I'm a little too I'm a little too self conscious for that though. Yeah, they they don't know how we look right now, so that's the thing. But <laughs> the thing is, as a as a Arizonan, right? What do you mm-hmm. think about the Grand Canyon? Like honestly. So when I first saw it, I was like, "This is nice." Okay. When I saw it twice, I was like, "This is pretty cool." The okay. third time I saw it, I was like. I'm pretty sure that rock was over there before. <laughs> and then the fourth time I saw it, I was like, okay, this is getting old now. Like, it's, it's like, realistically, like, it just turns into a giant hole in the ground. That's literally it, though. It's like, initially, it's like, wow, this is, like, amazing scenery. But, like, the more you look at it, it's, like, the more it's, like, one of the most overrated natural wonders of the world. So, <laughs> but... Bro, Doug Ducey's going to come for you. <laughs> He can't, bro. He has to be in quarantine still. So if, if, he, is true. if he doesn't follow his own policy, then I guess no one will. <laughs> but I think the thing with the Grand Canyon is, like, I haven't hiked down it before, which is something I've, I want to do. But besides that, I'm kind of done with it. It's, over, it's overrated. Yeah, no, it's like whenever you have, like, new family friends or something come over and want to check it out, it's, like, it's customary to take them, but... You're kind of just like, listen, all you need is a GPS to get up there. I don't have to come with you. <laughs> no, that's, that's but, um Yeah, what, what do you want to get into today? I know there isn't obviously the NBA, so even though we're pumping these podcasts out, the topics are going to be a little bit of a stretch because there's really not, not much to talk about anyway. Yeah, so today's topic is actually going to be about why Devin Booker is the best player in the league. The best player. <laughs> you said stretch, right? <laughs> that's not a stretch. That's what I mean, bro. <laughs> okay. Dude, look at my Phoenix Suns basketball. Bought this <laughs> this fluffy thing at uh, this at a Suns game. 
still have it. So, well, at least something's going strong for the Suns, and unfortunately, it's not the team. It's Prem's basketball. <laughs> we did win the championship in NBA 2K, which we can talk about later. See, see, you know what? If nothing else, Booker can say he brought he brought home the ring. He brought home the ring, but he played as the Nuggets to win it. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Well, it's because he's basically Jamal Murray's father, so he had to. Oh man! Oh man! Hot take. <laughs> You still remember that with the arrow celebration? Dude, I, I'm really curious if they actually hate each other or not. Dude, I have no idea. I kind of want to believe it. I feel like it'd make the NBA more fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, let's get into it. I think a good place to start is kind of with some more serious news, I guess. Um, let's talk about the Chicago Bulls and their administration and kind of moves they've made recently. Do you want to get into that? Yeah, so after years of being terrible um, and, you know, I guess overall just like kind of being seen as incompetent around the league, they finally made some, some major moves um, to like change up the entire administrative staff in the front office. So basically the president of the Bulls, Michael Reason, I think Rian, I don't know how to say his name, Reinsdorf, let's go with that. The president of the Bulls basically just decided to fire um, the former basketball operations, uh, which was John Paxson, um, former VP of, of basketball operations, which was John Paxson. And then they also fired general manager Gar Foreman. Um, and as a byproduct of firing most of the front office, they also fired some of the key advisors for that team, which also includes Scottie Pippen. Um, and now the new hire is so the old Nuggets GM is now the new Bulls VP, and the team is still looking for a GM now. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> that they just, they finally decided to take a move like this at this time, which I guess yeah, has nothing better to do. But um, I think it's weird because Bulls fans have actually been kind of wanting this for a while now. I remember looking. Mm-hmm. Thinking around, I believe it was like 2017, they had a sign out and they said, um, fire for Paxson. It was like a combination mm-hmm. of the two names together. And they were essentially like talking about like how they were incompetent at that period of time. But obviously things take time. I think it's interesting going forward because the Bulls haven't made the playoffs since 2016. And I think they do have, exactly. a, they do have like a young huge, I don't know if it was 2016 or 2016, 17 season, something like around that time. But um, they do have a young future. They have great players. I wouldn't say great yet, but they have a young talent that is up and coming, I feel. And mm-hmm. I think especially in the Eastern Conference, they can get, like, the eight seed. But in terms of, like, changing up the admin, I think it's a good move in terms of them actually going forward to try to compete for a championship and actually compete for something in the playoffs. Because at this point, I honestly feel like they just kind of slip in to the playoffs if they even do at all. And then um, they kind of just get bounced out of the first round. So I was just, I, that's, that's kind of like what I was thinking from that. Yeah. And I've seen some of the names that they want to hire for the new GM position. So there's a couple, and these are all like complete speculation, like no, nothing's really been given out, but someone that they're talking about is Shane Battier, who obviously played for the Miami Heat. Um, but he's currently the Heat's director of development and team analytics. And since he's been around the league, he's been, his name's been floating out there. 
Um, another player has been Mike Dunleavy, who was the assistant GM for the Golden State Warriors. Um, I love Mike Dunleavy, and I don't know why. <laughs> you know why? Because when I go to your backyard and we're doing <laughs> some sort of shooting competition, you got to pull out. First of all, let me just get this straight on the podcast, okay? You are like one of the very few players I know that has a. You have multiple forms of shooting the basketball. <laughs> go, through, go through that for me. You know, I don't really have a great excuse for this, but the my point is like if I'm ever put in like an awkward position to take a shot, I just want to be prepared. So, so I have. What do you have uh, in your arsenal right now? What do you have in your arsenal? It's nothing crazy, you know. Okay. <laughs> but I have the I have the Steph Curry quick release. <laughs> I have <laughs> I have my textbook jumper, which is basically Clay Thompson but refined. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. I have the uh, Mike Dunleavy, which is... <laughs> and see, that's the issue right there. Because you're putting Seth and Clay in the same sentence as Mike Dunleavy. Or, Listen, or, they're, sorry, sorry. they're all three-point shooters. That's all they do. <laughs> Dude, some of these people probably don't know who Mike Dunleavy is. Mike Dunleavy is a basketball player. <laughs> what would you say is, like, the comparison is, like, in modern day? Um, Ryan Anderson. <laughs> that's pretty yeah <laughs> but honestly but he's smaller than ryan anderson so i would say someone like kyle korver a little bit kind of yeah he's he's basically just a three-point shooter but i he played like a power forward for the majority of his uh like like small forward power forward for the majority of his career but he was on some like he was on a bunch of teams like he was with the bulls he was with the bucks like like a really a bunch of random teams but yeah. i actually didn't know he was the assistant gm for the golden state warriors so that'll be very interesting for them um, some crazy. other names that have been flowing around are uh, the assistant GM for the Cavs, Mike Gansey, and Mike Hughes, who is uh, or Mark Hughes, I'm sorry, who's the assistant general manager for the Clippers. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of like assistant GMs like are up for this position right now because of basically the fact they like completely revamped the whole uh, the front office and what they also did, which is really cool, is so the new. Um, the new uh, VP Carnesovas, Car- he basically has like like a bit of control with like the next few moves that they're going to be making, so they're they can really like go in, out there and hire someone who's like kind of out there for the GM position that they really feel like fits well, and that GM will probably also have like a degree of autonomy, which I think is very attractive to most GMs. Yeah. So. That, that was a pretty good one. Like, I think it's a pretty solid list of candidates, and I think over time we'll see some more. I've even heard some crazy things that, like, uh, you know how, like, the Knicks recently hired Leon Rosas and stuff? Yeah. There've, there's been people looking at, like, um, former Pistons great uh, Isaiah Thomas. There's a few names out there for Kenny Smith from TNT. So a lot of stuff is just floating around. I'm really curious to see who ends up with that job because – when they do inevitably get the GM position, they're going to come into a pretty good core with Kobe White, Laurie Markinen, and, and Zach Levine, like a pretty winnable group, and then Wendell Carter Jr. on top of that. Yeah, and the thing about them is, like, I know like, Berlin, like kind of was trying to, like, urge a certain style of play, and I'm just kind of interesting to see how this change of administration plays in any effect of how he's going to go going forward as well. Like, is he going to be, like, more nervous about his job, and, like, will he actually have expectations on him? Or will it mm-hmm. be like, okay, you're in a new situation. We'll give you some mm-hmm. more time to adjust to it. 
and uh, see what we can do from there. So I think it's interesting to see kind of what type of stress and pressure he's going to face now as a response. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and, and I just wanted to also throw out some more names that have also been included. Um, so these are a bunch of assistant GMs, I believe, or people in front offices, but Mark Eversley, Michael Finley, Mark Hughes, who I mentioned, Troy Weaver, Calvin Booth, uh, Matt Lloyd. So in order, that's like basically executives from the Sixers, Mavericks, Clippers, Thunder, Nuggets, and the Magic. And then some of the like lesser known would be like Shane Battier, Mike Dunleavy, and then Nazar Muhammad, who I only know who Nazar Muhammad is because he pushed LeBron once. <laughs> He's, uh, he played for the Thunder. That's how I know him. Yeah, he's an enforcer. <laughs> he's a big boy. But um, I guess I guess that's all good. Speaking of the Chicago Bulls, bro, they're dropping the Jordan documentary. April yeah. 19th. It's coming up. What do you think about uh, it? So I'm I'm pretty excited just because Michael Jordan was like, after you guys see this, you guys are going to think I'm like a horrible person. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I want to know exactly what that entails because, like, you know, I, I'm ready for some more Michael Jordan stories. Like, like there's been a definite, like, like, you hear them too much now, you know? Like, the old ones get recycled. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really curious to see what he did. Like, my favorite story is always going to be the one where uh, he punched Steve Kerr in the face. <laughs> yeah, and the behind the scenes of that. The behind the scenes of that. So I want to know more, more stories like that, more behind the scenes of why MJ did what MJ did. And why he is the way he is. Exactly. And I think also, like, on top of that, uh, he, he was saying initially that he never – he actually delayed for the footage to be leaked in the first place because I think he – I think he's done some, like, serious stuff in this documentary that he doesn't really want people to see or that he kind of, <laughs> he kind of like, he kind of needed to do it as a basketball player but it doesn't seem like a humane thing to do. And I honestly feel like that's going to be, a, like, a majority – like, a theme um, – that kind of underlies a majority of the stories that we're going to be told. But I think for me personally, the biggest thing I'm interested in is the flu game. I, I really want to Definitely. see, because right now the speculation around the flu game is, okay, he's sick, but like there's a lot of controversy around it from did he go gambling or go out the night before? And is that why he, and he got like too drunk and that's why he, um, he had to, he had like flu like symptoms the next day. Or there's speculation that um, he was poisoned in terms of like the food that he got had, and so he got food poisoning from it, and that was actually planted there. Um, so and there's like, the, or maybe he just got sick that day, and then and then um, he got the flu in that sense, and then played. So I, I want to hear like the behind the scenes of that specifically, and see um, and see that story kind of uncover. No, and it's it's very interesting too because we were talking about. Um, like, I think, like, this is, a, this is a couple months ago, but we, you and I were talking about how if he actually had the flu, how did the NBA let him play, yeah, first of all? Yeah, and that's what I always think, too. I'm like, if that, the flu is contagious, and they knew that at that point, so. So, like, unless they're talking about stomach flu, but even that, I'm pretty sure, is viral, so. Yeah, yeah it, it is. So that, that's still contagious. And the second thing was, like, the week before um, that we left for that Miami trip, I had gotten really sick and I had the flu, right? And I remember like, like, cause we were obviously uh, in Tucson at that point for, for you, for college, but I was just sitting there and I was like, I don't understand how a dude could play with this. Cause like, 
Now, granted, I'm no world class athlete. I mean, I could definitely, I could definitely put the put put the ball down. You know what I'm saying? But you have a you have a Steph Curry quick release and a Dunleavy pull up. So like, see, unfortunately, I also have zero athleticism to to go along with that. But um, the the point being, like, I just couldn't imagine like any individual being able to like to play with those kind of symptoms. You know? Yeah, and that's kind of like a testament to if he did even play with that. Besides the point of how it came about, the fact that he played through it, that's pretty amazing in and of itself. But um, just stories yeah. like that are going to be amazing, and I'm excited to see it. Very, very excited. For sure. Um, I guess moving on, um, I, think one, I think one thing we've wanted to talk about on the podcast that we haven't gotten a chance to before is kind of a little bit related to college basketball and CAA mm-hmm. and <coughs> around that especially because of now Jalen Green um, has committed to going to the D League, so has Isaiah Todd. So a couple of these top prospects are now actually taking a different route than actually playing college basketball. And mm-hmm. so kind of give me your thoughts on what you think about that and the future of up-and-coming players who are especially top prospects in terms of the routes they take. You know, keep in mind the context of LaMelo going to Australia and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so I'll actually start right there. Um, so I was actually just looking at the Bleacher Report released their top uh, or their their latest first round mock draft for um, the tw- for this twenty twenty season, and this actually just came out today. So I'm kind of glad I saw this. But they basically had of the first like top ten picks, right? They basically had Lamelo Ball, who played from uh, who played in Australia. They had RJ Hampton, who played in Australia, or sorry, New Zealand. Um, and then they have, I, I believe it's Denny, Denny Avdiha, who played for Maccabi Tel Aviv. So, like, here's 10 players, right, basically. And of these 10 players, you have three of them. So, like, Lamelo's projected to go number three, RJ Hampton's projected number five, and Denny's projected number six. Like, these are very, very high draft picks, like lottery picks and the, who are expected to, like, change the course of, like, an NBA franchise. And all of these guys did not go to college to play college basketball. And I was like, that's such a striking revelation. And next season, and we haven't even gotten there yet, next season, the, the so Isaiah Todd as well as, uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name, Jalen Green, have both committed to doing the whole G League program and avoid the uh, college basketball route. Right. And, I mean, both of them are making handsome money, but to me it's, it's, it's just a culmination of the frustration of playing for the NCAA right. because of the fact that the NCAA refuses to pay athletes. Um, and I'm staunchly against that. I firmly believe that they should be paid, um, especially with the num- amount of money that comes from these athletes. I think there's like a lot of people who will tell you like, oh, there's so many factors to consider, but reality the, the the situation is when there's a will, there's a way. And I don't feel like college basketball has a will to play its players, which should change. Yeah. Um, so for me, I look at this and I'm like, you know, it's, it's so telling right now that no one really wants to play in college basketball. The number two overall prick, James Wiseman, he wanted to play in the, in the NCAA basically like nearly prevented him from doing that because of some, a very complicated situation with the, the Memphis Tigers and Penny Hardaway, but a situation that nonetheless, I feel like in the grand scheme of things, the NBA sh- or the NCAA should have handled differently because I mean, now, you know, like, like 
commits like that are very rare now or, and are going to be increasingly rare. So they might as well try and respect the people that they already have. I think it, it's like super political and especially I think the casual fan doesn't really understand the things that the day-to-day college basketball player has to go through, you know, and we've like read multiple stories about guys like Shabazz Napier and like just, just a variety of players talking about how they barely have places to go and eat, how, you know, because they're not getting paid and they're, they really don't have any other sort of like job. They, they, they still are broke at the end of the day. At the end of the day, they're also athletes. So that means they have to watch their nutrition and all that kind of stuff well. And even though they might have special designated cafeterias and canteens for athletes, they still might not be able to get the most nutritious food possible. At the same mm-hmm. time, sleep schedule is messed up because they're traveling all the time. Then they got to go to class and do what they have to do there and still make sure that their grades are up because at the end of the day, their grades in terms of you know, if, if they're not failing, that's what determines that they can actually play basketball going forward. So there's so mm-hmm. many like factors to consider in terms of like what these guys have to go through. And it's, it's really rough that, you know, I was telling, I think you about a story about Jason Tatum, right? And I, I think Jason Tatum came on another podcast and was talking about the fact that when he went to Duke, um, his mom wanted to get a, like a jersey, a Duke jersey of his. But she, but he actually had to buy her his own jersey. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of story just puts everything into perspective. In that, like these players who their colleges are making so much money off of them, don't even get a little bit of respect, at least monetarily, from their college um, to even help them with any of the situation. It's it's essentially like they're trying to profit off them at all costs. So mm-hmm. um, that's obviously a situation I hate and obviously I don't like and I, and, and I hope they change it. But I think this is a great alternative um, to that. Yeah, and you know, one thing like that I found shocking was I, I, I expected these players like to be paid, but the NBA really stepped it up and like went as far as to give them like $500,000 yeah. um, to, to Jalen Green to join this program. And they're basically currently calling it like a special program where it's like slightly different from the G League, but they spend a year basically working out for the G League and playing exhibition games. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the reason I feel like they had to do this was because, like, you know, the NBA, the NCAA are always going to be competing, or the G League, at least in this case, and, and the NCAA, were always going to be competing against the New Zealand leagues, the Australia leagues, the Spanish leagues, the Chinese leagues, right? And all of these leagues, like, like even like amateur talent, which is not really amateur if you're being perfectly honest at a D1 school, like it's kind of an insult to call them amateurs at that point. But technically speaking, calling them amateurs, amateur talent at the Division I level in college basketball or prospects in the Division I era can play professionally very competently overseas and they make a lot of money doing so. So it's really good that the, N- the NBA stepped up with $500,000 because otherwise I don't think that these players would have stayed, you know, in, in the G League unless they made something close to that amount because a lot of the other countries who have leagues can offer a lot of that money. Like even Israel has a league that offers a bunch of money and stuff too. So the NBA basically had to make like a, a very like competitive financial move in the same rate. And I feel like for a lot of top prospects, this is going to make like uh, college basketball fairly obsolete in the coming coming like years. And I think it's going to be interesting to look at the NBA versus NCAA relationships now because yeah. before it was primarily the top prospects um, entering the draft come through the through the NCAA, 
directly to the NDA and their communication and their working together to actually allow that to happen. But now, because now this is an alternative and it's actually now getting, it's gaining greater popularity. I wonder mm-hmm. like how the relationship between the NCAA and NBA is going to change because of that. Like, are they going to create more restrictions for the NBA? Like is the NBA going to have to pay them a certain amount of money to actually get a player from them now? Like how mm-hmm. is that going to work and what kind of like changes are we going to see from that, especially going forward? Um, if the G League actually becomes a serious alternative or as feasible as an option. And realistically for me, it's like you were talking about that sort of like connection between the NCAA and NBA. Like even the rule where a high school player can't immediately join the NBA, like they have to wait a year after their graduation, was a way for college basketball to basically be like, come here. Exactly. But, you know, it's, it's, it's the NCAA has turned into a very archaic institution at this point with the way that they're running things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't see a lot of professional athletes or, or people who they might, at, at the moment, they might not be professional athletes in the NBA, but they could be professional athletes in most other countries. Right. I don't think they're going to stand for this anymore. So. so what do you think about like the one and done rule? Like, do you think that's going to change now because of that? Like, what do you think about the rule itself? And then how do you think it's going to change? I mean, honestly, I think you'll you'll see more one and dones because I feel like less people will want to stay in college um, because of like, so many options. Right. I mean, the way that I think about it too, is if the, if let, let's say that there's like a player who does play for a year in college, right. And he's like fairly average or he's like reasonably good, but he's not good enough to get drafted in a higher stock. I mean, that same player has the ability to now go overseas and play or go to the G league and play. So I feel like this is going to encourage that in that sense, because you know, like I think people, will find, the players will start to understand their value of like what sort of talent they bring to the table and that they don't necessarily have to do this for free. And I think one other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, how the NCAA basically, for basketball athletes at least, they basically said that any um, athletes who played in the spring would get an extra year of eligibility, but anyone who played in the fall and spring would not have that extended to them. So seniors or anyone who was playing in their final year that would not like they who would have basically played in the NCAA tournament, they don't get to do that again. And if the NCAA had like kind of like respected the fact that these these athletes who are playing for college are very passionate about what they're doing, I think the right decision would have been to extend an extra year of eligibility for all NCAA athletes. And I feel like that's another area where they made it like a pretty grand mistake. Um and, I, you know, that, that's just what I mean to say. Like, I feel like the institution of college basketball is kind of deteriorating in that sense. And I know there's always going to be people who vehemently oppose and call these players amateur athletes. But I think it's a huge disservice to call a D1 player an amateur athlete. Yeah, for sure. I think the one and done, I think, was originally instituted because it allowed people with, I think, like raw talent coming out of high school to actually slow down and look at their life and say, is this the career you kind of want? Do you want to go through this path? Um, and understanding how difficult it is to be successful in a, in, in a professional sport, as well as having a backup option like a college degree. But I think more and more as we look at it now, it's honestly a hindrance to these guys' passion and like what they actually can do with the, with the work that they're putting in. Because now like you're, you're seeing that these players who are top prospects, they're not just like starting to play basketball in high school. They've been playing like their whole life and they've been, putting, they've been put into tournaments from a very young age. AAU tournaments, whatever. And so because of that, like, 
they're almost training their whole life to become an NBA player. And so mm-hmm. when, they go to, when they finish high school, honestly, it's just an obligatory, an obligatory thing to go to college and do that year. So especially with the living conditions and like kind of the things I highlighted before, it's like these players might now be like, why do we even need to do that if we have this other option? And if like my talent is being wasted, I always think back to, you know, like Kobe and LeBron who, who say that I understand the prospect of college. Like I understand why it's good for some people, but for me at this particular juncture of time, I would get the best experience because at the end of the day, if you're going to be playing basketball for a career, you want to be able to play and get the most experience as quickly as possible. And that's what jumping straight into the league does for you. Um, mm-hmm. And so, cause that's just like learning from, the actual like professionals at that period of time and so I don't know I think the league should definitely modify that rule and I think it should be more up to the individual what they want to do right they should be aware that they should go to college if that is an option for them or they should also have the option to go directly to to the NBA if they're qualified enough and I think it really comes down to that yeah and I in the league nowadays especially we see like a lot of uh players who come from college in their first year be like extremely injured too yeah. Like from Joel Embiid to Ben Simmons to, I mean, Jaleel Okafor to an extent. Um, obviously, all of those were Sixers players. That's what I was going to say. Um, and then, I mean, with Zion Williamson too, right? Like there's so many athletes that are coming into the league with like pre-existing injuries from just even from AAU, which I also believe is an institution that needs some fixing. But they're coming in from that and then they play a year of D1 basketball where they don't have any financial guarantees where that stress on your body is even higher and you don't have anything to show for it, basically. Yeah, and the risk of that, because now they're potentially losing out on a year of money, if not like a career-ending injury, like that exactly. to really consider. Um, and so Ex- actually damage their whole life in that sense. Right, because, you know, like an AAU prospect who's really good is end, ends up like probably being like a top five, top 10 NBA prospect in, the, in their respective drafts. And when you're a top five or top 10 prospect, you know, that's like every NBA contract is guaranteed already. So those rookie contracts are guaranteed. So it's a lot of money that's being left on the line to play one year of college basketball with no financial guarantees. Yeah. That's tough, man. I think it definitely needs fixing for sure. But I think this is a, the, you know, Jalen Green and uh, Isaiah Todd going to the G League kind of popularizes that other, the other alternative a little bit more. So. Yeah. And like, you know, like Luka Doncic, spent time as rookie like prior to that as a professional right so I, I think that's just like the new mold now so hopefully college like adjusts to that but I just think they're too archaic and they refuse to yeah and then I think that also it will play to like when they do enter the league they're going to be way more refined if they do become professionals because you see a guy like Luka Doncic he's had no hiccups since the time he comes he came into the NBA like mm-hmm. you anticipate first a rookie to have a learning curve right to like adjust to the pace of the game but Luca just instantly adjusted and then you expect defenses to figure him out in his first year and then stop him in the second year but he's even adjusted to that counter and so like you see these guys which who have a lot of not only a lot of skill but also just are comfortable in their skin and comfortable in the professional game I think it elevates the quality of play a lot more and you see a lot more great young players um, rather, Absolutely. Rather than waiting a couple years before they get into their quote-unquote primes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I think I think that was good. But I guess we should move on. Something a little bit more related to the NBA, I guess. Um, about money. 
So I saw somewhere that the NBA is now the NBA and the Players Association have agreed to withholding 25% on each player's paycheck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is kind of sad, but what do you think about this? Well, um, the reason this really bugs me, I mean, well, first off, I understand where it's coming from just because a lot of the player, a lot of the teams like obviously depend on that constant flow of income to like supplant the team and like pay for those salaries. Right. Like, I understand that billionaires have deep pockets, but not every owner in the NBA is a billionaire. Um, Some of them, they're obviously wealthy, but not all of them can like pay guys like $35 million a year and like just do that out of their pocket. So I understand where that's coming from, but the reason it's so significant to me or like why I think it's so important is because if a guy's making a million dollars a year, right? You just took away 250 grand from him. (laughs) Yeah. So like you took away 250 grand and then on top of that because of the income bracket he's in he's taxed very heavily right yeah so you're looking at a guy who instead of a million dollars automatically has 750 and then whatever taxes take away from that like even less money to operate with now obviously even if that's like three or four hundred thousand dollars that is a lot of money but it's not anywhere near like what it could have been right right so and and the thing is like um, I don't know who this was. It might have been Chris Paul. I can't remember exactly who it was, or CJ McCollum, who was saying that. I think it was CJ McCollum that a lot of these these athletes are pretty close to being broke because that first contract that they make or the money that they make, they spend very quickly because they they come into a lot of wealth very very early on. But also that they have other financial commitments to pay for that they didn't anticipate, like in, like this sort of thing coming to. So it's very easy for like a person like LeBron or even like less than that, CJ McCollum or players who are making over like a certain amount to be comfortable, but like minimum salary in the NBA is still, I think only around like a million dollars. So the guys who don't make a ton of money, like, you know, maybe like the Elia Kobos of a team or something like that, you know, or what was their pick from, uh, from Tennessee this last year? I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Bro, whose pick? Our pick? Yeah, the Suns in the second round. He played with uh, on the championship team last year's NCAA champions. No, from was it Tennessee? Well, point being, he played. He uh, he's the point guard, the third like third string point guard for the Suns. Oh, it used to be Tyler Ewis from Kentucky, not <laughs> like the current one. Oh, um, this dude, uh, Jerome, Ty Jerome. Yeah, Ty Jerome. So, like, like a dude basically drafted in the second round of last year's draft doesn't necessarily have a guarantee, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, contract or, like, he has to – he basically goes on prove-it deals, right? So, like, the amount that he's making, like, it's, it's, it's just a lot of money, like, instantly being taken away from a lot of athletes. So, that's, that's going to be really rough, I feel like. Yeah, because, like, yeah, you're right. Like, CJ was saying most players live paycheck to paycheck, and they have very bad, like, financial habits because they're just – really not taught and I think that's another I think a change the league has to make like get these players like more financial advice over the time especially when they just enter the league and especially for the younger guys because back in the day when you have greater number of veterans per team and it's more balanced around these vets would be the guys that would actually teach the players how to live how to actually adjust to the NBA lifestyle especially in terms of money but now it's like you don't really see that, right? You see like the superstar, like the superstars coming together and a lot less vets per team. And so like the teams that are actually not that great 
might have a couple vets, but they might not be best prepared, I guess, to handle what the NBA lifestyle has to offer. So no, and on top of that, like even paying for a financial advisor, like for for guys who are rookies who like get their own financial advisors, those financial advisors can make anywhere between one to five percent of the ultimate paycheck that an athlete gets. Yeah. So when you're when you're talking about like a five hundred thousand dollar check, like or you know like you know what I mean like it takes away from it that's yeah exactly it, t- it takes like a sig- I think it's actually way more than a one one to five percent it might be more than that but it's it's still a significant thing where you have to pay a bunch of people you know to manage your money and those things start to add up over time especially when you don't have your influx of income at this point so yeah for sure but um I guess I guess kind of going on like the NBA stuff the NBA has been doing a lot of stuff to offer to fans during this period of time. Right? They've done a pretty good job in doing most things, but one <laughs> thing that they haven't has been the horse game. Oh, God. <laughs> pretty much recorded with a potato. The quality of this <laughs> horse game has been some of the worst grainy quality that I've seen since, like, old Google Hangouts. Like, yeah, it is, yeah. It is bad. Yeah, it's it's basically 240p all the time. <laughs> 240p all the time, and players are now like FaceTiming their horse shots. Like, what? Like, <laughs> I did not anticipate this when like I first heard that they were playing. Like, I was excited, and I was, and I actually tried to watch it. And then when I tr- and when I started watching it, I'm like, okay, I'm, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, it, see, like we were talking about this, and the part that really like was was weird for us was when we saw um, the uh, Trey Young versus Chauncey Billups match. And I just remember... What's that? To be fair, that's the only one I saw. Like, I didn't, that was the only one I saw, and then I stopped watching after that. Right. And I just remember watching that and just being like, it's, it's really funny that Chauncey Billups is like a full-court basketball hoop to play on, and then Trey Young is just hooping out of his driveway. Yeah. But in both cases, like, like Chauncey Billups took a three-pointer and then Trey Young is just like, well, let me just like estimate where the three-point line will probably be (laughs) on my driveway. Yeah. It's like, obviously I feel like they were just trying to make it more entertaining, but we wanted to see something a little bit more serious than that. But it was just overall, the execution was bad. Like, cause when I tuned into the game and I tried to watch it, I was like waiting for the quality to like become like 1080p. Like I was like, yeah. you know, it's like sometimes you like load a video and it's like initially bad quality and it like sets in a little bit later. I was waiting for that and it never showed up. Clicked on the settings option and whatever. It's it's the max quality <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I was I was I was pretty taken aback by how bad it was and I was like, listen, like I know the NBA like probably doesn't have people that can like send out its like camera crews or whatever, but like. You might need to do that because it's it's very hard. Like the the way that I saw it, I was like, did did Trey Young just like put his like phone on a tree, like lean it on like a tree and have it like record him or something? Yeah, I have no idea. But shout out to Mike Conley. He he won it, and uh, I, I should go watch those highlights. But nah, <laughs> or not, or not. But See, I think everyone was just hoping that Zach Levine was gonna do the three sixty dunk. Did he not? Did he not end up doing that? I don't think so, but I feel like if he did, we would have seen it everywhere on Bleacher Report and whatever. So when I saw the rules, they said dunking isn't allowed. So <laughs> yeah, so. that's true. Because Trey Young was like, "Dude, I'm like five eight <laughs> on a good day." 
<laughs> but um, I guess another thing the NBA is, has done is the 2K League. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually kept up with the 2K League pretty well. I didn't watch any of the games live, just the highlights. But it was honestly pretty entertaining, I can't lie, because you could hear these players like trash talk and kind of get into their competitive side of things again. And it was, kind of, it was kind of fun to watch how these players communicate with each other and see, like, how they interact. So I had a lot of fun doing that. I, didn't know if, I don't know if you got a chance to catch a hold of that. So I watched all the highlights. Um, I never, like, like, had the time to actually just go in and watch the games, mostly just because, like, like 2K just has – it just frustrates me because a certain friend of ours keeps beating us. <laughs> so – We almost – we kind of quit playing right now. Basically. I mean, like – he, he he took the fun out of that game. <laughs> and the thing is, he won't ever listen to this podcast because he's a par- he's a horrible friend, right? <laughs> yeah, so like, you'll never know what we're saying about him. So yeah, like, go on. No, but um, yeah. So I I was I was watching the highlights and I was like, okay, like this is this is kind of fun how it, it's all working out. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was the seeding and the whole, like, Ronnie 2K thing versus DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, my God, yeah. So, basically, like, they, they had, like, what, like, was it 12 players in the, in the game? Something like that? Uh, I want to say it was 12. I'm not entirely sure. Something like that, yeah. So, they, they basically had DeMarcus Cousins in, like, he was going to be playing, and he was a very low seed in, in the 2K, like, matchups, right? So... <laughs> Ronnie2k goes on air like he's streaming and he's basically ta- like introducing this whole thing right and um what happened no nothing no, continue oh, okay technical difficulties but um so Ronnie2k is basically like introducing what happened and he's just like oh like uh he he basically just sees that like Ronnie two he just sees that Demarcus Cousins is the eleventh seed and he's like dude I know this dude is gonna be a total dick about it he's gonna complain even the guy against him is probably going to be upset or something and he doesn't realize that the stream is still on the whole time right so he just accidentally says like I think uh, Demarcus Cousins is a dick on like a live stream which obviously then gets like sent to uh, Demarcus Cousins who then like tweets at at uh, Ronnie2k with like um with like what is it like like the eye emoji or whatever or it was a gif or something like that so i thought that was pretty fun we're gonna take a short break here <laughs> all right sorry about the little break that we just had to take we had some minor technical difficulties but i assume you guys know that that's just how zoom works nothing goes smoothly online <laughs> honestly speaking of not going smoothly online <laughs> So I think the last thing I was saying was basically Ronnie 2K, he was having this like issue with, uh, or he was, he was basically doing like a live stream to introduce, introduce the, the 2K games um, that the NBA players are playing in. And he forgets that his stream is still going on and that he has his mic near him. And he goes and he calls DeMarcus Cousins a dick like on his live stream. Ronnie 2K is fairly popular. So he had a good amount of people listening to this. So word of what he said got around to DeMarcus Cousins like, pretty pretty fast and then demarcus cousins decided like i'm gonna tweet at him with like a gif um <laughs> i think ronnie 2k's response is probably the best part like 
I obviously don't know, like, I, I don't have it on me, so I can't quote it exactly, but it was basically like, dude, the stress of work got to me. I'm so sorry. Like, you know how I feel about you. It, it kind of was like a cop out at that point, but, you know, I mean, Ronnie 2K had to save face for the sake of his game. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it was just a weird situation and badly timed, I guess, because this was the biggest thing that was happening in the sports world <laughs> <laughs> at that period of time. So, for sure weird but i think going through the 2k like games and stuff it's crazy to see how good of a gamer booker actually is like mm-hmm. this dude is actually like and the thing about the 2k that they're playing which is annoying is that they're not on hall of fame mode <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's kind of annoying to me because it's like bro like some of the shots that they're like that they're hitting are obviously they both have the same advantage to do so it's like so it's fair in that sense but like it's weird bro yeah, no, some, you know, some of the, I, at least like as, as far as we've been playing, like when we do play, it's always on, always on Hall of Fame, just yeah. because it like, granted, I feel like Hall of Fame in this game just like does not allow for a single three-pointer, except if you're like a select few amount of players. Yeah. Which is kind of frustrating, but you know, so be it. Like, so like my question to you then is like, since you like really got a chance to watch these games, do you think that the, that the guys who were in this tournament are good for like are, are are good on like an average person scale or are they just like like as nba players like basically what i'm trying to say is if they were playing like regular competition like the average 2k player would they be better or would they be worse i'm not entirely i, I i'm not entirely sure because i would kind of need to see them play a regular player but when i just look mm-hmm. at how they're playing and especially they're playing on the skill level that they're on the skill level they're playing at I'm kind of I'm kind of doubting like how good these how how good these end game players really are because it really comes down to the fact that a lot of their shots are three pointers. So like in the game they actually shoot a lot of threes like every single player that I've watched. And so because of that if you go into Hall of Fame mode or even play against um like casual gamers who like actually play 2K consistently, like I don't think you're going to get those types of shots. And so that's why but, like, it, it could be that they actually are good, and I just haven't seen it because they weren't forced off the three-point line. But from what I've seen, it's a lot of three-point shooting and um, not as much passing. But then again, like, I haven't watched these games live-streamed, so I, I, I'm not getting the full picture of it, right? I'm not seeing the misses. I'm not seeing, like, how their overall game is. So, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you did want to see real games, the NBA does have full uh... – League, league pass and game replays. I know you've been on that grind too. So what do you think of the games that they've been picking out? Well, I started on that grind when it first came out because I was, and I kept up pretty well with all the games that were coming out. And then kind of midway through, because since they're releasing one new like live game every single day, like after you miss one, it started piling on for me because I missed like the one with Allen Iverson who, when he dropped like 60 points, um, I believe against Detroit. I'm not entirely sure what team he was playing. But that game, I didn't get to watch it in full that day. And so then that would became my game to watch the next day. And then I was lazy about it. And so these games are just kind of piling on. And I really haven't watched much since. So um, I have to kind of get back into that. But I think that's a great feature. And honestly, it makes me kind of mad that this wasn't available already. Like, when we, like when we were in high school, I really wanted to watch full game like replays and stuff, like in yeah. terms, like 
trying to pick out like where do they miss shots where do they make shots and stuff like that because all that was available were like free dawkins or like stuff like that like highlights that were on youtube but yeah but like but now since they're releasing these free games or these full-length games i know that they have these archives somewhere and it's just a matter of releasing them to us so that was kind of like irritating i guess yeah like i haven't really been able to keep up with uh, the live games but i know that like i went onto their website to kind of, to kind of go see like what the league past like website looked like to go see like what you could watch but I'm pretty sure in Arizona we have like a regional blackout for some reason, so we can't watch some stuff, um, which really sucks because I'm like, like, well, that kind of like defeats kind of the purpose of the NBA releasing it. But I feel like they have like classic games and they have like editor's choices and stuff, so they kind of pre-selected what games you can watch. Like I was more so under the impression that you could go back and watch like any game um, on League Pass, but it's not really like that because I was trying to go back and watch the. Uh, I was trying to watch Dwayne Wade's uh, like play against uh, Charlotte Hornets and per- and Purple Shirt Man or whatever his name was, because um, I was like vintage D Wade like in, in like, the latter half of his career. So I was trying to do that, but I just couldn't like navigate the website. So I think they like pre-select what you can what you can watch, which kind of sucks. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like it's good that they have these facilities at least available, or, like these resources available for us because. I mean, we really don't have anything else, like, to, to do during this period, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think that's a good place to end it, bro. Like, do you have any other final things to No, it's, you know, like, I hope information about the NBA will slowly start trickling in so that we know where things are headed, but at the moment, Prem, you and I are relatively unemployed. <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, we got to get back up to a little under 35 mil, so. <laughs> See that's the thing. Like Adam Silver's talking about the arena, the employees at the arena, and like you know, like all the immediate players and stuff. But what about podcasters like us? Yeah, we have a role too. We have the we have the space that we dominate in, I guess. <laughs> the podcaster lives matter. <laughs> yeah, but but I guess that's it. Yeah. Sounds good, man. And uh, we'll try and come back at you guys with some more content, try and keep you entertained as well as ourselves. But for now, that's all we got. We out.